Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. This evening, we're going to be in Genesis 42. We're going to continue in the life of Joseph. But I feel the need to do a recap, so we're going to start with that. Joseph is one of the, the first of the two sons of Rachel, Jacob's wife. He was favored by his father, Jacob. He had that coat of many colors that only the special people had, okay, the favored sons. He reported to his father about his brothers. They saw it as ratting on him. He had dreams. He had dreams where people were bowing down to him, and he spoke freely about those dreams and their interpretation. And his brothers didn't like it. And his parents didn't approve. He dreamed that one sheaf of grain stood straight and 11 bowed to it. That would be Joseph and then the 11 his brothers. And then the sun, moon, and stars bowing down to Joseph. That would be his whole family. <clears throat> His father had sent him to check on his brothers. They saw him and nobody else around, and they saw opportunity to get rid of this brother that they had come to hate. And uh, these are, some of these brothers are, are people who had killed people, who had um, directed the genocide of a village. Instead, they ended up selling him to slave traders, and he was about 17 when that happened. And then he entered the household of Potiphar, and he was there for up to 13 years. He was a slave. He didn't know the Egyptian language. He didn't know anything. Over time, he learned. He learned how to speak Egyptian. He learned other things along the way, and he picked up responsibility. He showed ability and rise, rose to oversee a fairly large and complicated household. Uh, during that time, he fended off the advances of Potiphar's wife. She ended up accusing him instead, and he ended up in prison, which I always thought was a bad thing, but I've come to realize it's a good thing because if they really wanted to get rid of somebody in Egypt, they sent them to the mines where nobody came back. And Joseph was in prison at least for two years, probably longer. We know that. And within the prison, he rose in responsibility, so he was like a head steward in the prison. He actually ran a lot of the affairs of the prison while himself remaining a prisoner. During this time, he interpreted the dreams of the royal baker and the royal butler. You might remember the baker. He had the loaves of bread on his head and birds were pecking it. And the butler... You might remember he had the, the grapes, and I wasn't able to find any cool pictures of grapes, so I only had the butler pictures. 
Um, the story has had various artist renditions over the years, including in the Renaissance. Uh, Joseph was in prison, and Pharaoh started to have dreams, and he didn't understand what they meant. But the butler remembered Joseph finally. And Joseph helped him understand the seven years of plenty and the seven years of famine, because you might remember the dream cow math, where you had the skinny cows eating the fat cows and they remained skinny. Or the good wheat and the withered wheat. Joseph worked hard. He took every opportunity to learn. Egyptian, math, reading. Developed people skills along the way. Developed organizational skills along the way. Developed decision-making skills along the way. And he was made the grand vizier by the time he was in his early 30s. And you know, during this time, he had trusted God too. He had dreams. He had an idea that God had something for him. And he didn't just go and sit and wait for it to happen. If something came along that it looked like he should be doing, he did it. And in that way, he was trusting God actively, not passively. Joseph was in his early 40s by the time of the middle of the famine years. And, and that's how old he is when we re-enter the story. We're going to, though, pause for a moment, and um, I'm going to put up on the screen here some images of some mo movies. And I'd like to know... what you think these have in common. Yeah, they, they have violence, there are movies like, and I'm not suggesting that you see any of them. There, there's the movie version of The County Monte Cristo, there's Gladiator, there's Taken, Taken 2 and Taken 3, there's Kill Bill, which is a catchy title, but I don't like it. Um, and there's a TV show, and I think this will give it away. Okay. The page that I put up on the screen has a dozen, picture, a dozen movies that have a revenge theme in them. I could have provided three, four, maybe five more slides easily, each with a dozen pictures, each having a revenge theme. It's something that's common in our culture. Okay. And usually in these movies, um, the revenge theme is presented in a way that will be okay with the person taking their revenge like there's a just cause and this guy has his own brand of justice. But instead, let's uh, move along. The theme is we're going to come back to the revenge theme in the story, but I wanted to keep it in the back of your mind, okay? We're going to start with Genesis 42. I am actually going from the New Living Translation, so you may find it easier following me on the screen. Okay. When Jacob heard that grain was available in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why are you standing around looking at one another? I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy enough grain to keep us alive. Otherwise, we'll die. So Joseph's ten older brothers went down to Egypt to buy grain, but Jacob wouldn't let Joseph's younger brother Benjamin go with them for fear that some harm might come to him. So Jacob's sons arrived in Egypt along with others to buy food. 
for the famine was in Canaan as well. Since Joseph was governor of all Egypt and in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came. And when they arrived, they bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. Joseph recognized his brothers instantly, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where are you from, he demanded. From the land of Canaan, they replied. We have come to buy food. So what just happened? None of the ten older brothers has distinguished himself in crisis management. You would think that by now, these are men that are in their 50s, in their 60s. They, they've lived lives. They have children. They have grandchildren, probably. Uh, one of them would have figured out and said, hey, Dad, let's go get some food from Egypt. No, Jacob had to tell them to do it. And so, yes, he did tell his brothers to go and not to take Benjamin because Benjamin, Benjamin was special. Benjamin was Joseph's brother. He wasn't going to lose Benjamin. And Benjamin, at this point, he was in his early 20s, so he was a man himself. I, I remember when I heard the story when I was young and when I, I would get the coloring pages to color in, you know, pictures, scenes from the story. Benjamin was always a boy. But in reality, he wasn't a boy. He was a man, a young man but he was a man. So they did see Joseph, who oversaw the grain sales. And um, not everyone, I'm sure, got to see Joseph, because I'm sure there were a lot of people who came in. I'm sure that he only saw important delegations or people that he was particularly interested in seeing. And I think his brothers were people that he was particularly interested in seeing and had been on the lookout for. But Jake, Joseph concealed his true identity. He did not want them to know who he was. And moving along, in verse 8, although Joseph recognized his brothers, they didn't recognize him. And he remembered the dreams he'd had about them many years before. He said to them, you are spies. You have come to see how vulnerable our land has become. Oh no, my lord, they exclaimed. Your servants have simply come to buy food. We are all brothers, members of the same family. We are honest men, sir. We are not spies. Yes, you are, Joseph insisted. You have come to see how vulnerable our land has become. And, um, you know, any nation, whether now or back then, did have border security issues. This wasn't something he was picking up out of the air. Um, maybe a large, powerful country like Egypt did not have to be concerned as much about being invaded, although they had been invaded from time to time. But certainly they were concerned about raiders, especially since Egypt was the country that had all the food. Okay? And if you were going to raid Egypt, it might be smart to take a few guys, send them in to buy some food, and while they're buying the food to scope the land. I am sure that this is something that they were on the lookout for. Do I think that Joseph thinks that they're spies? No. I think that Joseph wants to get them talking. And the easiest way to get them to talking would be to accuse them of something. And that's what he did. I had wondered about that for a long, long time. Why did he do that? Why did he just start out by accusing them of being spies? 
By the way, we have a dream fulfillment alert here, okay? It was supposed to spin around. Did it spin around? Hmm. Okay, it didn't spin around. I had it spinning around before, but imagine that it did spin around. Yes, the dream was fulfilled, at least one of them. But pressing on, sir, they said, there are actually 12 of us. We, your servants, are all brothers, sons of a man living in the land of Canaan. Our youngest brother is back there with our father right now, and one of our brothers is no longer with us. But Joseph insisted, as I had said, you are spies. This is how I will test your story. I swear by the life of Pharaoh that you will never leave Egypt unless your youngest brother comes here. One of you must go and get your brother. I'll keep the rest of you here in prison. Then we'll find out whether or not your story is true. By the life of Pharaoh, if it turns out that you don't have a younger brother, then I'll know your spies. So Joseph put them all in prison for three days. Revenge. Could you see somebody inviting the brothers in and saying, hey, how you doing? Remember me? I'm Joseph. Come on. Got something for you. There are ten of them. See those? One, two, three, ten of them. There are ten pits. Each pit has one of your names on it. Each of you is going to go there for a couple weeks, and then I'll come back, and maybe we'll chat, okay? Could you see that? I could see that. Joseph didn't see that. He saw something else. He saw a larger purpose. And remember, he didn't have a Bible. He had um, what his parents taught him. He had his dreams. And yet he still seems to be moving along with a higher purpose. Well, so far. And he put him in prison for three days. What prison do you think he put them in? Hmm. Like the prison that he was in. I'm sure he picked out the room. A big room where they could all talk. And I'm sure he put a guard by the room to listen to what they had to say and report back to him. Yep, the brothers, what just happened? The brothers responded to interrogation by babbling. Okay? These are experienced men. Men who are in their 50s and 60s. And back then they may have looked younger at that age, but they were still experienced men. And they started babbling. Joseph had really wanted to find out about Benjamin. Was he safe? He needed to find out in a way that he could gain the truth. He did not trust his brothers. I wouldn't have trusted him. Was he alive? Was he well? So Joseph continued to accuse his brothers of being spies. But he offers a chance to prove themselves by producing Benjamin, right? Keeping nine of them in custody while one goes back. And giving them three days to think about it. Let's press on. On the third day, Joseph said to them, I'm a God-fearing man. If you do, as I say, you will live. If you are really honest men, choose one of your brothers to remain in prison. The rest of you may go home with grain for your starving families, but you must bring your youngest brother back to me. This will prove that you are telling the truth and you will not die. 
To this, they agreed. So what just happened? Joseph identifies himself as God-fearing in the most polytheistic nation in the world. Some of you may have remembered when I was teaching before that they had a pantheon of gods. And here, Joseph identifies himself as a God-fearing man to brothers who believed in one God. Before they could react to that, he presented them a new proposal. One brother stays, not nine. And the other nine go back and get Benjamin and bring him back. So he, it's a negotiating tactic, and it was a good one. The brothers agreed. Speaking among themselves, they said, clearly we are being punished because of what we did to Joseph long ago. We saw his anguish when he pleaded for his life, and we wouldn't listen. That's why we're in this trouble. Didn't I ask you not to sin against this boy, Reuben asked? But you would not listen, and now we have to answer for his blood. Of course, they didn't know that Joseph understood them, for he had been speaking through them through an interpreter. Now he turned away from them and began to weep. When he regained his composure, he spoke to them again. Then he chose Simeon from among them and tied up right before their eyes. Why Simeon? Well, Reuben was the oldest, but Reuben wasn't involved in this. He had been away from them. It was Simeon. He was the oldest. Reuben wanted to free him. Simeon did not. I think that's the reason why. The fact that he turned away and began to weep meant that he still loved his family. After all this, after being threatened with death, after being sold into slavery, after all these years where he was wrongly accused, spent time in prison, feared for his life, and yet he began to weep when he saw their anguish. Joseph then ordered his servants to fill the men's sacks with grain, but he also gave secret instructions to return each brother's payment at the top of his sack. He also gave them supplies for their journey home. So the brothers loaded donkeys with the grain and headed home. But when they stopped for the night, one of them opened a sack to get grain for his donkey, and he found his money on top of his sack. Look, he exclaimed to his brothers, my money has been returned, and here it is in my sack. And then their hearts sank. Trembling, they said to each other, what has God done to us? Well, let's look at a couple of things here. One, you might remember that Abraham's household had a lot of servants in it. Enough servants so that when Lot and his family were kidnapped from Sodom after that war, he got two or three hundred men who could swing a sword and they went on a rescue mission, okay? And then Isaac inherited from Abraham 
um, the servants and a lot of the cattle and things like that. And then it went to Jacob. So how come the brothers go without any servants? Could it be that they had to send the servants away because they couldn't feed them? Could it be that they couldn't trust the servants to not steal the food and leave them? Could it be that the servants, knowing who the brothers were, didn't trust them? I don't know. But I was surprised in rereading this why there weren't servants, why it was the brothers and their donkeys. You don't see anything about servants. The other thing is something that's puzzled me for years, and that is, why put all the money back in the bags? It, when I was a kid, I thought, oh, well, he must be doing nice for, something nice for them, but they don't seem like they're acting like something nice has happened because they're afraid of being accused of stealing the money, of coming, paying for the grain, getting the grain, somehow stealing the money, and taking both the money and the grain back with them. That's what they're afraid of. And why would Joseph do that? Not sure yet, but let's press on. When the brothers came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him everything that had happened to them. The man who was governor of the land spoke very harshly to us, they told him. They, he accused of, us of being spies, scouting the land. But we said, we are honest men, not spies. We are 12 brothers, sons of one father. One brother is no longer with us, and the youngest is at home with our father in the land of Canaan. Then the man who is governor of the land told us, this is how I will find out if you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me and take grain for your starving families and go on home. But you must bring your youngest brother back to me. Then I will know that you are honest men and not spies. Then I will give you back your brother and you may trade freely in the land. Sounds like a good plan, doesn't it? So they emptied out their sacks. There in each man's sack was the bag of money he paid for the grain. The brothers and their father was terrified when they saw the bags of money. Jacob explained, exclaimed, you are robbing me of my children. Joseph is gone. Simeon is gone. And now you want to take Benjamin too? Everything is going against me. Whoa, that didn't go well. Um, also, let's, we need to backtrack a little bit here, shall we? Uh, here we go. Back to 4227. Uh, no. Yes, 42, 27, 28. Look, he exclaimed to his brothers, my money has been returned. It's here in my sack. Then their hearts sank. Trembling, they said to each other, what has God done to us? Okay, let's go back. Jacob exclaimed, you are robbing me of my children. Joseph is gone. Simeon is gone. And now you want to take Benjamin too. Everything is going against me. It sounds like he's saying that to his sons. And it sounds like he's throwing his hands up in the air. It makes you wonder what it was like after he lost Joseph all those years ago and what this did to him, what kind of man this turned him into. You don't see him mentioning God. Then Reuben said to his father, 
You may kill my two sons if I don't bring Benjamin back to you. I'll be responsible for him, and I promise to bring him back. That does not sound like a really good plan to me. Um, Okay, Dad, you can kill two of your grandchildren if I don't bring your other son back. But this is Reuben. This is the same guy who staged a coup to take over his family when he had that um, relationship with um, one of the concubines that failed. You can see along the way, he says things. People don't listen to him. People don't take him seriously. He's lost credibility within his family. But Jacob replied, my son will not go down with you. His brother Joseph is dead, and he is all I have left. If anything should happen to him on your journey, this would send this grieving, white-haired man to his grave. So what just happened? The brothers got upset about the found money all over again. Did you notice that? They got upset before when Dad wasn't there. They opened up the sacks. They got upset all over again. You would have thought that they'd been through this before, but no. They were afraid of being accused of theft when they went back to Egypt. You know, let's say they bring Benjamin. They get they get to Egypt with Benjamin, and and uh, Joseph says, "Why did you steal from me?" and puts them all in jail. They're really worried about that. And Jacob is panicking. Jacob's the patriarch of the family, and what he says goes. And he believes that the brothers will be accused of theft if they go back to Egypt. And he speaks to Simeon as if he were already dead. He's not dead. He's in prison. And he can be released if Benjamin goes there. He's not going to send Benjamin, so applying that logic, Simeon's dead. If you notice so far that in this story, the only one who's trusting God is Joseph, and Joseph's been in Egypt for all that time? Yeah. Jacob's not mentioning God at all. So is this the end of the plan? Well, I originally wanted to do 42 and 43 together, but I realized it would have been too long, so we'll have to wait until we get to the following chapter. But let's review a recurring theme here. Joseph had some things, not that many things. He had the stories his father told him, which is the oral history of his family. Stories about God and God's faithfulness and God's promises that were made. He had the two dreams, one of which has already been fulfilled, okay? And Joseph has faith. Joseph had the faith in the face of everything that happened to him to respond by taking initiative, by doing good when, it was the, when he had the opportunity to do good, to earn people's trust and keep it. He had no idea of where his life was going to go, but he took every opportunity to do good and to learn and to grow. Many people would not have responded. I don't think I would have responded that way. I think I would have gone into a corner and waited to die. I would hope that I wouldn't, but I think that I would. But that's not what Joseph did. And it's instructive to us because we have so much more 
here now today. We have the Holy Spirit that indwells us. We have the Bible. We have God's word for us. So we can go back and refer to it to see if something's right or wrong. We have faith. That, and we have each other. Which matters if you're alone, like Joseph was. He only had himself. We have each other. Um, This has turned out to be a far more interesting story than I thought it was going to be, simply because it was a familiar story. And upon rereading it, I'm learning new things. I hope that you are too. And I hope that we'll continue to learn some things together. Uh, among the things that we've learned is, and we are learning, is that um, God doesn't always send answers to us quickly. We learned that when Joseph had interpreted the dreams of the baker and the butler and stayed in prison again for two years. Okay. Um, we're learning here that when we have the power to do good, we should do it. When we have the power to harm someone, somebody who's harmed us, we restrain our hand from doing that. This chapter is hard because there's not a real end to it. It ends with Jacob taking their plan and, and crashing it, but um, it's a pause. Chapter 43 is coming later. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening and may God bless you. Let me tell you.